Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Crew podcast, the American football podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. This is the Preview Crew and I'm your host, Keith McGinty. The beating heart of the NFL is not the marble of Caesars Casino, it's in the turf of Allegiant Stadium. You bring them rings and they will love them for it. Gladiators, ready! <laughs> we are one match away from confirming who will be competing in the, the the Coliseum that is Allegiant Stadium for the Super Bowl. It is Championship Weekend, ladies and gentlemen, and we are ready for it ourselves here. I've got finest crew members available to us this evening um, to help me along with this and a special guest that you'll be able to see. But first up, let me see, Dan, I was wondering if you would have Heimlich 95 in the back of your, your cowboy shirt, just in case there was any more chokes. Uh, no. Welcome, Dan. Appreciate it. I mean, I'm used to it now as a Cowboys fan, but uh, I can now watch the playoffs as a neutral and I'm absolutely loving it. Listen, I've been doing it for a while now. We got there last year and it uh, didn't last very long, so it's not very often we get to, to get a wee slag of the, the Cowboys. But um, yeah, have you had a good week, Dan? Yeah, been good. I mean, I enjoyed watching the games last weekend. Obviously, one of our darling teams lost, one of them got through. So, from a general crew point of view, it was a 50-50 weekend, but it's all people in the career are a bit happier than others. They certainly are, certainly are. And uh, just like, uh, his team's playing in Baltimore this weekend, and just like Omar in the wire, whenever people hear him coming down the tune, whistling his wee tune, they, they clear a path for our very own big chief. It's uh, Studs. Studs, welcome to the, the podcast. How are we? Yeah, not bad. Keith, not bad. I see a wee cheeky visitor. <laughs> <laughs> another, another special guest there. <laughs> hey, say hi, yeah. There you go. This is this is my little one. That's my youngest. This is Ronan. He's hey, not Ronan. Yeah, that right. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, man. I'm all. I'm all good. Um, excited for the weekend ahead. Obviously, lots of questions asked about my homes traveling. Travelling on the road and being on the road in the playoffs, I think he can approve those doubters wrong last week. So, see if he can do it again this week. Fantastic, fantastic. And as I said, we have a very special guest with us. He's a Niners fan, born in Sweden, raised in England, and just back from Singapore. It's Eric the Red. Eric, welcome. Thank you very much. And that's not the first time I've been called Eric the Red, funnily enough, with the Viking <laughs> connections. I really enjoyed the intro. I thought I was watching Braveheart for a minute. So, yeah, it's an honour to be on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was taking so long there. It just popped into my head there. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Eric. Eric, you're from the 49ers Faithful. Um, based 49ers in the UK. Faithful UK, yeah. We're a fan group Fantastic. all over the UK, England, Scotland, Wales, um, even some Irish. We're everywhere. Uh, we're quite a strong group on, on Facebook and have quite an active community um, with lots and lots of fan activities, meetups, etc. going on, which is great. Fantastic. How did you get into um, American football? I I think it was one of those classic ones where when I was a kid, I used to just watch the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> my parents would say, yeah, you can watch the Super Bowl. And then I remember my my dad always said when I was, a, my, my late dad, he, when, he, when I was younger, he used to say, you know, you want to follow the 49ers. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what, I think it's because when he grew up, they were good, you know, in the 80s, 90s. And then uh, I really only started following the NFL properly, but I would say 2008. And so we've had probably more bad years than good years, although recent times are a bit more positive. Well, um, 
fantastic. I, I, I'm the same as you. I remember they were like the 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 all American team, weren't they? Um, the the blonde hair, blue eyed guys, the handsome quarterback, um, the tough team as well. But like you said, they were the the team that was winning in the in the eighties. So yeah, and there's quite a lot of Forty Niners fans. I've got quite a few friends who are Forty Niners fans. Unfortunately, my oldest son is actually a Forty Niners fan. Myself being a Seahawks fan, it it kills me. But I can understand why because. You've got some special players, and for him, it's Christian McCaffrey. Um, so I see you're welcome. You're also waiting yeah, for McCaffrey. Rocking the CMC uh, this week. I'm hoping that he's going to be the difference. You know, um, we, we, I, I couldn't believe our luck when we when we traded for him. And there's like a running joke in our group because ESPN went out and rated the uh, they gave it a C minus grade when we traded for him <laughs> because we gave up a second, third, and a fourth. And uh, I don't know if ESPN have ever got it more wrong than that because obviously he's ah. probably the best uh, offensive player in in football. What's he actually done since he's joined you? Come on now, I think I think they might be a wee bit correct with that one. Not <laughs> yeah. actually won anything yet though. Not won anything yet, although that can change this weekend, can't it? I haven't won anything yet, but I mean he tied the record for consecutive touchdowns. I think it was fifteen or sixteen consecutive games. Uh, on his debut, I think he scored a hat trick, a throwing, catching, and a rushing touchdown, and just that keeps making a difference, as you saw at the weekend last weekend. It certainly does. Um, what's some of your fam- favorite experiences that you've had then following the the Niners? Yeah, so I think the the real highlight I uh, I managed to go and watch. Sorry, Dan, but the Cowboys came divisional round last year, so pretty much a year ago, a couple of days ago when uh, Zeke decided to play centre for the last play. <laughs> and uh, I was in the stadium for that and managed to obviously watch us win the divisional rounds. That was my first ever playoff game. But the real highlight was uh, this year, the 49er Faithful UK uh, organised a trip. So Lee Gowland, uh, the, the president of the club, and Paul Hope, the, the vice president, and a bunch of other folks organised a trip for 40 of us to go across to watch the game against Tampa Bay against the Bucks in November. And so, yeah, 40 of us from the UK all travelled across. And we had one, they they got a fan engagement section that we call the gold mine, where you're supposed to be like the ones that make all the noise. So the Mm -hmm. 49er Faithful UK were all there together from the UK, watching us beat the Buccaneers, um, which was just fantastic because it was, you know, the first time any kind of trip like that had taken place. And Big thanks to Lee and all the guys for, for helping to organise that. It was absolutely amazing. That memories I'll treasure for a lifetime for sure. That that's amazing. And um, did the club get? Are they quite welcoming of of the um, foreign fans? Are they quite helpful? Yeah. So it's testament to the to the sort of um, leaders of the group, Lee and Paul that I mentioned, and a bunch of other admins. There's quite a big admin team, but um, Lee does a lot of the work, and uh, he's got really good uh, connections with the club. They're trying to grow their international fan base, um, and the owners of the 49ers are also owners of Leeds United. Um, ah, so there's a little bit of a connection there, but they're they're trying to grow their international fan base. And so this season, for example, there was a watch party uh, in London where uh, Joe Staley turned up and he was signing autographs all night and uh, met with all the fans. Uh, and then we had the, the trip that I mentioned. And then this weekend uh, for the NFC Championship game, the team are organising another watch party in the centre of Leeds. So we're all getting together. There's about 350 tickets, I think, available. Uh, it's not sold out yet, mm-hmm. but we're hoping it will be packed to capacity. So it'll be 300-odd 49ers fans uh, around midnight in Leeds City Centre on the 
on Sunday night, which would be really cool. So yeah, the the, the fact uh, in in short, the team do uh, do really well to try and engage with us, and hopefully, long may that continue. And I think the epitome of that is Lee actually went across a couple of years ago for the NFL draft in Vegas, mm-hmm. and he wow. got called up on stage to announce our I think it was our sixth round pick. Wow. So Lee, as the leader of the UK fan club, actually announced the pick of Samuel Womack, who's one of our uh, secondary uh, defenders. He kind of plays special teams mostly. He's had a few reps in uh, as a cornerback. But uh, Sammy Womack was announced by our president uh, in Vegas, which was pretty special. That's cool. pretty cool. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Fantastic. Sorry, so just, something, just something about on the 49ers Seahawks rival there, something I've just read before just before we continue. Kyle Shanahan was asked by a reporter today, how important is a 12th man for this game? His reply, yeah. we don't call it the 12th man here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Good. I like that. And and actually, I think when we went to Seattle this season, there was a lot of red in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay, right, guys. It's a bit of a thing we uh, downward spiral just now, but we're, we're, we'll rise up again. We'll get the currents, the, the wings will extend again. This is a new dawn for the Seahawks. But anyway, we're not talking about the Seahawks just now. Just now, we're thinking about Jason Kelsey, who may or may not have retired. I don't think it's official yet, is it? <laughs> um, but he's certainly living it up as if he has. He was at his brother's uh, match last weekend. And um, it was the first time they were meeting meeting a new girlfriend. Taylor Swift was there, and Jason said to Kylie before it that he was he was going to he was going to jump into the crowd. He was going to take his top off. I think this is a bit of form for him. I remember watching his uh, documentary earlier in the year, which was terrific. Um, get it on Amazon Prime, and uh, I think that was how he met Kylie. Was um, was it through Tinder? Um, and and that he fell asleep because he was he that was drunk black, in the bar. Blacked out drunk. He couldn't remember the first date. <laughs> yeah. Lucky guy to get a second one. I've got to say. He seems like the kind of guy you just want to have a pint with, doesn't he, Jason Kelsey? 100%. 100%. Yeah. I don't think I could keep up with him. <laughs> no. Yeah. no. Before, the, before the game, he was out in the tailgating, drinking shots out of bowling balls with the, the Bills Mafia. The guy's, the guy's just a, an absolute legend. I love that he's just that gallus that he wants to go out and enjoy himself. And it's, it's brilliant to see. Our kickoff question then is, he did say he was going to make a good first impression. I, I wonder how you can make a better first impression than that. Um, what's some of your best first impressions, some of your best debuts in sports then that you can think of? Um, Studs, I'm going to come to you first. So, thinking of debuts and and... NFL and football, or football, FIPA, anything at all that you can think of, studs? Uh, for me, the one that kind of sprang to mind as soon as you mentioned this was our football related. I remember going to Ibrox as a kid. Uh, we would signed all these Italian players under Walter Smith. And being a young budding centre half myself, I seen this guy with a lovely flowing locks that reminded me of Maldini's hair of I mentioned last week. Obviously of myself. Um, and he was striding out of defence. He was an absolute unit. He looked like he could have probably played linebacker in the NFL at the time as well. Um, and Lorenzo Amoruso. And it was like the Nike family day or something like that. So like my dad had took me along watching this guy absolutely run a mock out of centre half. And I thought, that's the kind of centre half I want to be. Little did I know that he'd then tear his Achilles tendon and be out for the season. And I wouldn't see him for another year. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jets fans feel. He threw a full game. He didn't get four touches of the ball and then fall yeah, down. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Tell you something, Sludge. You'd suit a, a Santropy spray tan, by the way. You certainly would. <laughs> I do, I um, do like any... three Baileys every now and again. A wee Baileys and ice just like my <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what about yourself? Favourite debuts or yeah, introduction? There might be an element of recency bias here, but there's only one answer for us, and that's Brock Purdy. So, obviously, he started last year as our third-string quarterback behind Trey Lance, who we shan't speak too much about, and Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> and uh, Trey Lance got injured after two games. Jimmy Garoppolo played a few more and then decided to break his foot. And we were playing the Dolphins at the time, and here we go. We got a third-string quarterback, and he comes in, throws two touchdowns, and we win the game. And that's kind of like a half debut, you would say, because he had to come in. So on his full debut the following week, he became the first rookie quarterback to beat Tom Brady. We beat the Bucks 35-7 to at home wow. uh, with, I think, Brady ordered 100 tickets because he's from the Bay Area. So he had all his friends and mm-hmm. family there. And Brock Purdy absolutely picked him apart. So um, I know that there's a bit of controversy around Brock Purdy in the media, etc. But us as fans, we've been watching him every week and he's been absolutely phenomenal right from that first game against the Dolphins when he had to come in. And you, you don't expect too much from your third string quarterback, but he more than held his own. And I think obviously this season he's been stats leaders in a lot of the categories and he's been absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, that's a debut that sticks um, sticks in the memory because it's, it's quite recent. <laughs> it certainly has overproduced from what... He was drafted in, and um, he's certainly doing the, the business for you. Shanahan's got him playing some fantastic football at times. Um, there was reports this week, though, that Tom Brady was wanted by the 49ers. Do you think that's a, a missed opportunity for a boy from the Bay Area? Yeah, I mean, he he's he grew up a 49ers fan, so but I mean, he he's getting on a bit, isn't he, Tom? And obviously, <laughs> he's been great in the game, but uh, you have to retire eventually, don't you? So. Uh, that was the decision that was made, and I, I'm not complaining because Purdy's been amazing. So no, no skin off my nose, and I'm not upset about it. Fantastic, Dan. What about yourself? Your favourite debut then? Yeah, I'm going to come back to the old fat back. I'm going to go with the same with studs and uh, Rangers. A, a debut that was slightly delayed and long overdue. I think, and it's it's going back to the many days and without getting into the politics of the Jim Farry era at the SFA um, and the uh, the George Cadet affair. Uh, I remember it was the long delay for whatever reason my paper. Uh, eventually, I remember I came off the bench against Aberdeen at home. Um, big, massive row went up when he came on, and then we scored the fifth goal uh, to, to put us 5 nothing up, and he blew Radio 5 live off the air because the fans went that mental because they were covering the game <laughs> live, and it blew, the, it blew Radio 5 live off the air because of the amount of reaction they got from him scoring. And I think as a player, when I was growing up, that was kind of my era growing up watching Celtic. Uh, when I first started, and George Cadet was, was an unbelievable player for us. Just wish it had been a bit longer. I actually thought you were going to go for Henrik for that one, for his uh, tremendous That's an, un- that's an unmemorable yeah. debut, though. <laughs> that's more Jason Kelsey-like, to be fair, where um, uh, he gave the ball to Chick Charlie. I'm going to steer away from a, a bit of football. There's, there's a, there was another football when I was thinking of, was Latan when he moved to LA Galaxy. Um, coming off the bench to score two oh, goals, one an absolute scream, uh, forty yard, forty yard volley, um, to equalise, and then a header right in front of between two defenders and the goalkeeper, and they still got up and nodded it in to win the game for them. There was two NFL related ones when I was having a wee look at this. There was first one was Marcus Mariota who set the record for four 
touchdowns in his debut half, which I don't think has been beaten since. Um, the, the, the Titans went on to defeat the Bucks 42-14 uh, in Tampa Bay that game. And they got a perfect passer rating. But the one that actually interested me was um, Cam Newton for the Carolina Panthers. Um, he threw for 422 yards, two touchdowns, while rushing uh, for one touchdown in his NFL debut. And despite that Herculean effort, the Panthers lost 28-21 to the Cardinals. Um, that's, that's incredible. 422 yards in your, your debut, um, but still still getting beat. Um, fantastic. Uh, great shouts there, guys. If you have any of your own memorable debuts and first impressions, please get in touch with the, the crew. We'd love to hear them. We'll share the, the best ones um, on our, our social media feeds. Right, let's get into it. Um, Eric, there's a reason we've got you on here, and it's a, it's a big game this weekend. You've got the Lions coming to town. Um, you must be confident. You must be confident, especially after last week looked a wee bit as if there was chinks in the armour against the Packers. They had nothing to lose. We were talking on the, the review crew earlier in the week how that the Packers had, they were playing with house money, they had nothing to lose. And kind of, I think it showed that the the Niners aren't infallible. Are you looking yeah. forward to this game then? Yeah, I can't I can't wait. And I think um, last week, obviously, the, the Packers were riding high. They were really good. They were the informed team back end of the season. And then they went and beat the, the Cowboys. So it wasn't an easy game by all means. But of course, at home and with our record, um, being the number one seed, you expected us to win and it didn't quite go to plan. Um, the good thing from our point of view is that it's a sign of a good team, right? If you can play a bit rubbish and still get through and win. Um, we really did it when it mattered. So I'll, I'll take the positives from that. And with regards to this weekend, yeah, of course, I feel confident. I don't think the Lions are a bad team by any means. I think they've had a really good season. Dan Campbell is obviously very aggressive in the way he calls the plays, etc. Mm -hmm. Interesting, you know, fake punt, <laughs> all that kind of thing. So I'm wary about that for this weekend. But again, we're the number one seed. We've been really good for most of the season. If the weather is better, which is meant to be, uh, we can't blame a wet ball anymore. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that we come out and we get back to where we were. I think there was a little bit of rust after... Uh, having the bye week, uh, given that we were the number one seed. And then now we've got that out of our system, hopefully this weekend we can show what we're really about and get back to get back to the sort of form that we were showing most of the season. Well, that was part of it. You were playing in, it wasn't the best conditions. There was lots of rain last week. There was a, a bit I heard in one of the podcasts earlier in the week about Brock Purdy's hands not being that, that big. So that was maybe why he was struggling a little bit um, yeah. with the, the cold, wet weather. Um but he still, as you mentioned um, before we came on, he, he did really well in the, the closing drive. Yeah, and there's always been talks in the media about can we come from behind? You know, we, when we were seven, there was a stat that came up when we were more than seven points down entering the fourth quarter under Carl Shanahan. We were 0 and 30. Wow. So we're so used to playing from in front because that's the way that we kind of tend to do things. So not really good at coming from behind. We've not a single fourth quarter comeback win. So to get that monkey off our back and then for also Brock Purdy to come from behind and win. In the game-winning drive, he was six for seven. Uh, and the, the, the seventh was a, a, a really easy drop by Kittle, which you'd never expect. And he also rushed for, I think it was 11 or 12 yards. 
and got us that go-ahead touchdown. So it was really nice to see that actually not only has Brock Purdy been great all season, but he's actually clutch as well. He can do it when it really counts. And that was the difference because Jordan Love, although some might argue he outplayed Brock Purdy in the first half, he ended up in the fourth quarter throwing two interceptions. So, um, yeah, really happy with uh, getting that monkey off our back around the fourth quarter comeback. Hopefully, um, we won't have to play from behind <laughs> going into the fourth quarter um, this weekend, but uh, you never know. And if we have to, then at least I know we can. Dan, I think in, throughout this season, we've actually been a wee bit... Um, I think we've been sleeping a wee bit in the, in the 49ers. We recognise that they're an absolute juggernaut and that because they're so good, we've kind of been steering away from them, yeah. trying to look at some of the other ones, because we've just imagined that every week they're going to um, absolutely win the game. They're usually going to run right over teams. There's had been a couple of upsets this year, but we've kind of held back on the, the crew. That's partly why we've got Eric on. We're looking for an expert to come on and, and set it straight on this one. What have you made of the, the Niners this season? Yeah, you think you're absolutely bang on. I think we're on Thursday podcast. We've not spoke a lot about the, the Niners a lot because they're like, well, the Niners are going to win. We want to try and talk about the games that might be close or might be interesting, but you're 100% right. We've not talked much about the Niners this season, considering what they have done. I think it's maybe just because we've expected them to do it, so we're maybe not giving them the attention that we probably, probably should have covered them more, thinking about it now. Um, they have, I mean, they've done exactly what we expected them to do. Um, we mentioned before we came on here, we were talking about Christian McCaffrey. Just an absolute machine, Joe. I mean, and it's and it's something we spoke about last season was was a defense as well. I mean, I don't think their defense has done anything flashy this year, but they've been absolutely brilliant. I mean, they've not. I mean, look at I was pulled up stats earlier on Nick Boss. It sounds daft, like Nick Boss has only got ten and a half sacks. I mean, you look at some of the sack leaders in the league; it's not up there with them, but it's still ten and a half sacks. Do you know what I mean? But I did pull yeah. some stats up. They're, they're number three in the league for um, points per game conceded. Number one for touchdowns per game conceded, and number three for rushing touchdowns allowed. So, Amazing. and the joint first for the interceptions. So, their defense, as much as not been doing anything flashy, they're absolutely dominating the league. And I think that's what's when you've got, and I think it was we've said before about the Fortnite they are very balanced. They're on both sides of the ball, they're, they're ridiculous. I mean, there's teams that have got superb defenses that win them championships, there's teams that have got superb offenses that win them championships. The Niners have got both. I mean, and that's probably why throughout the season they've been the, the favourites to, to win the whole thing. And I don't think it's until maybe in recent weeks where the, the Ravens have maybe came into the chat a bit. The Niners have been the favourites all season, and rightly so. I think it was the, the Eagles also falling away. It was between the two teams for yeah. the majority of the first part of the season. Um, and then the Eagles just had their implosion, which has kind of played into the, the hands of the 49ers quite well. Studs. Quick come to you, Dan was just mentioning how well the, the defence is doing. Maybe Eric can um, expand on that in a wee moment. But you, I want to come to you just now. There was one point at the weekend where uh, Chris McCaffrey had a bit of a calf injury and was getting a wee bit of work on that. And Debo Samuel uh, was actually off. Now, take both of them out of that team. They've still got attacking threats. Um, got Ayuk, George Kittle, of course, and some of the younger players are coming through. But losing those two... That, that changes your thoughts on, on how well this season could end up for the team. How important are they for you? For me, I think you could actually reduce that to losing one of those players, and it's Debo Samuel. Um, I think Eric will know this far better than me, but he missed three games, I think it was, earlier in the season. We, again, with Trent Williams as well, so that's two massive, massive pieces. 
But if you look back at the season, what were the three weeks that the 49ers lost? It was the weeks without Debo Samuel. Yep. He adds so much to that offence. He allows Shanahan to be more creative in the run game. Um, he's he's a devastating blocker as well. He's not he's similar to George Kittle in a lot of ways. He does a lot of unselfish work. Um, whereas McCaffrey's running, you'll see the likes of Debo in there blocking with Kittle and, Tri- and Trent Williams. Because um, one of the 49ers' most explosive and most used plays as I pull to the left, where you see Williams getting into that secondary and absolutely smashing up linebackers, and the wide receiver in that crew is Debo Samuel. So it just allows Shanahan to be so much more creative. Now, that's not to say Christian McCaffrey's wouldn't be a loss in that team, but if McCaffrey gets injured, I think we kind of forgot how good Eli Mitch- Elijah Mitchell was last year as well. Again, a very explosive player. So I just don't think you've got somebody that can replace Samuel as easily as what you've got in Mitchell statement in McCaffrey's shoes. Now, he's not going to be as effective, but Mitchell can still fill that running back role better than the likes of Joanne Jennings could for Debo Samuel, for example, for me. Studs just mentioned Joanne Jennings, and I was actually going to ask you about him, Eric. He seems to be becoming an important player at the right time for you. Um, yeah, how's he? He's, how's his development been? He's like he's like an unsung hero because he is like the number three choice at wide receiver. He doesn't get many targets, um, but he's absolutely phenomenal. We call him third and Juan, you know, because they, he seems to be a favorite target of Brock Purdy's on third downs, and he keeps making clutch catches. And with Debo going down at the weekend, he took Debo's role essentially. And the other thing that's really cool about him is he really likes to wind up opposing players. So he's really physical. He's a shoving players about. I think he pushed one of the Packers defenders into the Gatorade table <laughs> this weekend. Um, <laughs> on the Packers sideline as well, by the way, which just goes exactly. no help there whatsoever. And he yeah. was guy about it. And, and we all saw all of us in the group, we called him, we, we all call him third and Juan. Like that's a that's a 49er thing because he makes all these sort of clutch catches and there was a couple at the weekend that were just absolutely phenomenal. So for us, he's a, a completely sort of unsung hero, but we all love him. And everybody in the group this weekend was saying, oh, my God, I really hope we can keep hold of him because he adds a lot of um, physicality and also those clutch catches on third down, which is super important. Um, the, I was just looking at defence. Defence didn't have any sacks at all so far in the postseason. But they've right. been totally effective. Yeah, they've, they've still been very effective in, in closing the, the positions, making it tight for teams and yeah. making it really hard for them to play. It's that been an issue? Not actually it's, quite getting there? Bosa not getting there? or It's not an issue. It's more of a scheme thing. So we tend to have... We have four amazing D linemen, right? We have Chase Young. We have Eric Armstead. We have Javon Hargrave, who we signed in the summer from the Eagles on a free... And then we have Nick Bosa, who's potentially the best defensive lineman in the league, right? He was the sack leader last year. And a lot of the time we rush four, and that's what we do. And if you look at the stats, Studs mentioned 10 and a half sacks for Nick Bosa, which for him is is low. But if you look at pressures and quarterback hits, again, he's right mm-hmm. up there. So it, it's just that we're not quite getting to the to the sack stat, but actually that's not the one that's super important. Of course, it looks nice on the stat sheets. But if you look at quarterback pressures, if you look at quarterback hits, 
Uh, we're right up there. And obviously the most important ones are the ones that Dan read out uh, around allowing scores, allowing rushing touchdowns, etc. So for me, it's not a concern. Obviously, it's always nice to see a Nick Bosa sack. Um, don't get me wrong. We're all celebrating. We're all jumping up and down. We're screaming. Uh, but it's the scheme that we play. We don't tend to blitz that much. We have a new defensive coordinator this uh, this year, Steve Wilkes, uh, who's a bit more of a secondary special uh, specialist. But we don't tend to blitz that much. And we tend to rush four, and that's why perhaps we don't get the sack numbers. But if you can rush four and put pressure on the quarterback, then you have the rest of the team to do all the other bits. So for me, it's not a concern. And I think it's shown by how dominant the, the defense has been. So Your, your team, uh, Eric, has got seven um, championship wins, and you've got five Super Bowls. How confident are you for the, the matchup this weekend? Not looking for a prediction yet or scores or anything like that, but are you, are you quite happy that you're playing the Lions? Is that maybe be one of the teams you would have been preferring to play in this game? Yeah, I think so. I think, obviously, they've had a good season, but if you look at all the teams that are left in it, I think the strength is on the AFC side. So I'm quite happy that we're on the NFC side and playing the Lions at home. I think in Detroit, it would have been a little bit trickier because that crowd mm. get right behind them. But I'm feeling confident, um, especially now we've got the rust out of our system. That's what I'm hoping for. And yeah, feeling confident for this weekend. I'm hoping we can get the job done. Um, it's time for us to get all these uh, stars that you've mentioned to uh, to do their jobs. And uh, I think they will. Dan, um, Kyle Shanahan was, um, there was talk that it was maybe being a wee bit too conservative in the last game there. I think they went for a, was that a field goal? Instead, they actually put a wee bit more pressure um, and they get in against the Packers. Is this the type where you're needing like a cool head and maybe being that little bit more conservative, just try to get the, the inches that are going to win you the game? Or is this where Dan Campbell's ballsy approach is really going to maybe edge out somebody that's so clinical like Shanahan? Yeah, when it comes down to, I mean, any time in the playoffs, but when you start to get the championship Super Bowl time, every point is going to matter. And I think... It's going to be interesting because we all know Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell isn't going to change just because it's an NFC Championship game. He is going to be super, super aggressive. And if that starts paying off and the aggressiveness starts showing, Shanahan's going to have to react. And if Dan Campbell's converting fourth and twos, fourth and threes on regular occasions again, Shanahan's going to have to start thinking, these guys, we can't stop these guys. So they're going to, go to they start to get into those positions of, is a field goal going to be enough? You're like, well, is it going to be enough because we can't stop them? When they've got the ball, so it's all going to come down to if they can stop the aggressiveness aggressiveness of the lines, then the Fortnite yeah. can play their own game plan. But that's going to be harder to do than you just mentioned it. I mean, it's like I've never seen a coach as aggressive as Dan Campbell ever. I mean, he just no. he, he doesn't care. It's just like we'll do what we want to do. It doesn't matter what the stats say. It doesn't matter. We will do what we want to do. And if that's if that starts working, the Fortnite are going to have a hard job on their hands stopping them. So that's then going to affect the 49ers game plan. But on the flip side of it, if they stop that aggressiveness from Dan Campbell, then the Lions are going to be thinking, well, what else can we do here? Which then the 49ers can then play their own game plan. So it's all going to come down to if they can stop the Lions being so aggressive. Dan, let's pivot into the, the Lions for, for a, a bit now and have a wee focus on them. Jared Goff. Um, I think we were all quite happy for him, especially the way that he'd been treated and hounded out of uh, the Rams, just dumped really, um, to get Stafford in for them. Worked out for the Rams, 
is it a chance it could maybe work both ways for the Lions? Or even getting here, is that enough for Jared Goff? Yeah. I mean, I think with the, the question would always be who won out of that trade. I think we're now in a situation where both teams have won out of the trade. It was all us. Yep. Rams have won. Stafford's won a Super Bowl. But see now, the patience that Dan Campbell and the Lions have shown me Goff, it shows that they, they actually won out of this trade as well. Um, I mean, the man management of Dan Campbell or Jared Goff this season, we, we've seen that. We've seen it last week. Be, up until, obviously, that's not going to be the first time that he's done that. That whole, you're good enough for Detroit. You can tell Dan Campbell's been like that with Jared Goff all season. That's not a one-off. That Dan, I think Dan Campbell is basically he put his arm around Jared Goff and he's basically led him to be the player that he is. And sometimes we've spoke about it with other quarterbacks across the league. Baker Mayfield being another example of sometimes the players just need a specific a type of head coach that, to get the best out of them. And that's exactly what we're seeing with Jared Goff and, and Dan Campbell. He is getting the most he can get out of Jared Goff and who, who knows where it's going to lead to. Uh, but it's been great to watch a player, we're not going to say come back, but maybe shown as what we all knew he could do, but he just wasn't given the opportunity to do it in the past. Studs so far uh, in the... The playoff, Jared Goff's got 564 yards, um, 187 going to Amon and Brown. That's a potent offence, and we've talked about how strong and stingy and how much pressure that the, the Niners' defence gets, and I think possibly that's where we thought that their season was going to be based on. Of course, the Niners got an incredible offence as well. Do you think this one, this is going to be a wee bit too much for the, the Lions? I'm just actually going to check and see their their schedule to see if they've came up against a team maybe as tough as the the Niners has been. What do you think? Is that a, a good enough offence that can damage the Niners? Um, I, I think, honestly, yes, is, is the kind of obvious answer. I think if the 49ers start slow like they did last week, is Again, as Eric full well knows, I think with that tandem of rushing that the Lions have got, they can really hammer the new home on that front. Um, I mean, you're looking at Montgomery over a thousand yards in the season. Junior Gibbs rushing was, I think, nine fifty or thereabouts. So almost two rushing backs for a thousand yards. Um, and again, obviously Montgomery probably a bit more of the hammer. Gibbs a bit more elusive, um, especially when it's in the open field, but. That run game's reliant on building up a lead, and that's what the 49ers probably need to stop. Um, they cannot afford to get off to a slow start. My biggest concern from a Lions perspective in this game is the quarterback. It's Jared Goff. He's almost a very different player at home, in the dome, than he is outside. Um, and I think yeah. he tends to have a bit more struggles uh, outside than he does in the dome. Um, and also, well, obviously, away from home, he's he's, you know, he's very, very different. He tends to turn the ball over more away from home. He's got less touchdowns away from home. Um, so that would be my biggest concern. Can Jared Goff not turn the ball over? If he can lessen the turnovers, then I think the Lions have got a real chance. Eric, what about yourself then? Is there, is there anything that you're really feeding from the Lions? Um, coming up against your boys? I wouldn't say fearing, but you obviously have to acknowledge the strengths. I think they've all been called out, St. Brown and the two running backs. And I think if you look at where Green Bay had a little bit of success, it was on the deep ball targeting Ambry Thomas, um, mm -hmm. who's one of our sort of younger cornerbacks. Um, so they had a bit of success there. So I'm perhaps a little bit worried about St. Brown up against Ambry Thomas, 
that would be the, the one thing. And then the other thing is, I think Dan called out the stats around how our defense versus uh, uh, versus the rush. So that would be the key. If we can stop Gibbs and Montgomery, then it's going to be an uphill battle for the for the Lions, I think. But uh, yeah, they're they're obviously they've had a good season and they're they're in the in the championship game for a reason. So we can't be complacent by any means because that would be silly. Laporta's really impressed me. How have the the Forty Niners um, been in defending that across the, like the center of the the pitch? That's probably the, the biggest strength of our defence. We have two of the best linebackers in the league, in my opinion, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Um, so we have been given a lot of tight ends a torrid time uh, this season. And even if Laporta does make, make the catch, he's then got to worry about who's tackling him because uh, yeah, those two linebackers are, are fierce. And it's, it's absolutely unbelievable to watch because uh, every week, you know, Fred Warner just seems to cover every single blade of grass on the pitch every week. Uh, and Dre Greenlaw has got that real sort of nasty, aggressive, or sometimes almost too aggressive streak, but we love it. And uh, Laporta has been really good. He's been he's been a great pickup by Detroit. He's been a really good signing. Um, but I'm hoping that we can uh, we can keep him a little bit quiet. Um, Dan, a player that we're talking about, Joanne Jennings for the Lions. Probably say the equivalent for them would maybe be. Um, would be Josh Reynolds, um, the wide receiver there. I think he's been coming up with big plays at important times for the the Lions. Can you see him having an important role this weekend? I, I think what I like about Josh Reynolds is that Dan Campbell seems to use him in all different ways. He's not he doesn't use him just as you've seen him come out the backfield. You've seen him as been a returner. You've seen a wide receiver slot wide, and that's one thing the are going to have to work on is where do they pick him up? Like who picks him up? Because if he came out of the backfield as a runner, as he came out of the backfield as a receiver, um, he has a he has a good season. I'm not sure just to his figures up there, but I can find them there. Receiving yards, 715 yards. See for someone who's maybe went a wee bit under the radar this season, 715 yards is, is not bad. Going six touchdowns. Yep. Um, so I, that's he's he's a he's a bit of a him and, uh, and Williams um, are going to be key. Obviously, the focus is going to be on Amon Ra, but they've got two receivers right behind him that. It'd probably be WR2s for most teams in the league. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how the 49ers scheme up against Reynolds and depending on where he lines up, um, who picks him up. Because if you end up with a linebacker, I know you get two great linebackers, but I'm not sure how they are in coverage, Garrick. I've not really seen much of them in coverage this season, but if two of them has to pick up Reynolds, how's that going to match up? No, the, the, Fred Warner's really good in coverage. He's one of the better in coverage linebackers, but not against a, a wide receiver. You know, against a tight end, he tends to keep up. And he has had a couple of plays this season where he's covered the receiver and managed to get past breakups and stuff, which is just unbelievable. But we don't want Reynolds to be in that situation. But um, the, the thing to counter Reynolds, I think, I'm hoping, is actually our secondary. We've had two of our cornerbacks. Um, one is uh, Traverius Ward, Mooney Ward, who's been playing absolutely unbelievably well he's been shutting down a lot of the number one receivers on our position and then we've got uh, Demo, uh, Demo Lenoir who's also been absolutely incredible and he actually came in last week against the Packers and uh, I think he had three plays in a row where he had a couple of really big hits um, and yeah I'm hoping that our secondary can hold up like I said the one Question mark is Ambry Thomas and also our safeties last week were a little bit dodgy. We lost Hufanga earlier in the season to a knee injury. So we've got mm -hmm. a couple of veterans. We've got Tashawn Gibson and Logan Ryan started last week. 
There's, there's talk whether Ryan's going to start or maybe Jay Brown, who's a rookie. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. But actually, Logan Ryan had a huge miss on Aaron Jones last week. He broke off a huge run, which was on our safety. So th there are definitely some spots there that the Lions should try and attack. But again, we, we, we think we have strengths pretty much all over the defense. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can we can show that. Sorry, Dan. I was going to say Ward's probably been the one that surprised me. Obviously, I'm very familiar with Chavarius Ward. Yeah, of course. Um, being for KC uh, before he joined the 49ers. And I remember watching some playoff games and some regular season games, and it was literally as if the quarterback was picking on him because he was getting beat for coverage a lot of times in that Chiefs defence. And um it was very, very frustrating to watch, but the games I've seen him this year, and I think I called him out last week on our pod, is somebody that he needs to continue to keep stepping up his game because as soon as his level drops, he can get victimised a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. since, so it's yeah. good to see from our perspective the fact that since, he's since up. we had him, he's been he's been really good. He's been very consistent, especially this season. But he, even even last year, he was good as well. And it was like for us, we were the season before we were really lacking like a number one corner. And Ward has been a number one corner. He's been like the guy that we turn to. Um, the only thing he's had a couple of little niggling injuries and things like that. But when he's been healthy, he's been unbelievable. So um, yeah, it's surprising to hear because I didn't really follow him that closely at the Chiefs. I thought he was one of your top players, but it sounds it, a bit different. It was very kind of boomer bust. I found was okay. where he'd come up with a big interception or he would have a shocker um, in the games I, I remember watching. So as I say, I. Don't get me wrong, he's a Chiefs player, so you're always going to back him, do you know what yeah, I mean? Of course. Um, it's just, I, I, for me, as I say, that you've mentioned it as well, this season he's been out, he's been unreal um, this year. So uh, just for us, he just seemed very, very boomer bust. And I remember of so much against, I think it was Mike Evans and things like that, I just felt like it was getting picked on and picked on. Um, yeah. and, and there was, other, there was other, other examples through that season in tight games where it just seemed like it was his man getting a touchdown. All the time, so yeah. Keith, I know we really watch the time. Can I just make one last point on this? I know we're going to have to move on very quickly. Is that all right? Something yep. that I pulled up is, and I don't know if Eric will kind of back me up on this one. Colton McKivitz, um, the, the lineman for the, the 49ers, he has allowed nine sacks this season, which is double anybody else on that 49ers offensive line. And he's 52 pressures allowed this season, is the fourth most in the league. Guess who he's up against this weekend? Oh, Aiden no. Hutchinson. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> that's that's a matchup to watch. I mean, obviously, we've not spoke much about Hutchison there, but that start alone yeah. is going to be very interesting to watch to see how the 49ers managed to cover that when Makovitz has not been great at covering. Yeah, and I think we had similar talks earlier in the season when the Eagles were 10 and 1, right? And we went to Philadelphia and everyone was talking about Hassan Reddick is up against Makovitz. You know, it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, but actually, we absolutely dominated the Eagles and blew them out of the water. And actually, Brock, Brock Purdy's been one of the top quarterbacks under pressure this season. So, uh, yeah, Hutchinson against McKivitz, that's not one that I'm looking forward to. But I'm hoping we've got enough to kind of, one, scheme around that. I think if Debo's healthy, for sure, we can do, you know, the old end arounds and interesting things to get away from Hutchinson being a huge factor. And obviously, McCaffrey as well. Um but, uh, yeah, against the Eagles, it was all the talk. You know, Hassan Reddick is going to absolutely destroy Brock Purdy again, like what happened in the championship game last year. And, uh, you know, we went there and absolutely dominated. So, 
I'm hoping we can we can get over that one or around that one. But Hutchinson is a is a force for sure. He's a brilliant player. We had Matt from Roar of the Lions on last week, and um, talking up the Lions' chances and. It was interesting to see just looking at the, the stats, the amount of times that the 49ers have been to the championship game, and it, it's I think it's 18, it might be. Um, whereas the Lions last time was the only time that they'd actually made it to the championship game, and they, they were beat, well beaten by the Washington uh, team. And <laughs> that's their only time. But this is, this is the type of game where... You seen that last year? Everybody was expecting the 49ers to to go and beat the, the Eagles. We thought that with Purdy coming in and playing the hot hand, unfortunately he busted his hand in that game, and um, he couldn't complete the match. And that was the the, the telling tale. And you could really it it didn't quite feel like maybe like the Bills, where the window had closed for the the 49ers with that one. It just felt like you were rising at the right time. Last year felt for me certainly felt like that was your your time to go, but just that injury at the, the wrong time really blew it for you. Right, guys, I'm looking for your predictions for the match. Um, who's going to be the the, the the standout player in this game? Who's going to actually win it for the team? And who do you think is going to actually win the game? Studs, I'm going to come to you first of all. Um, you, you want one for each side? Or what you want here, Keith? No, I just want one, one player. Who's going to... Be the difference maker and who's going to win the game? Which team's going to win? Um, for me, I think for the 49 side, I think you're looking at Jay Greenlaw, um, is going to be the difference maker again. I think we've seen it yep. last week in the divisional round, it was outstanding. No, Eric's mentioned Fred Warner's another one again, is watching that linebacker, Joe's just superb. So, I think they two are going to be key for the 49ers. Um, I'm going to go with the Lions. I'm going to keep the crew darlings, hopefully, into the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, purely because, just in case the Chiefs don't make it, I've got an endemic and Sue Lions jersey up the stairs that I can wear that instead for that <laughs> night. <laughs> but, nah, I, listen, I think the 49ers, the slow start last week concerns me. And I think if the Lions can get ahead, I think, as I'd mentioned, that running game could just keep them going and keep them going. Um, I don't think they'd get the same reprieve as what they got for the Packers last week. Um, Eric, I'll come to you next then. Um, quite a lot of the 49ers fans that I know love to play down your team's chances, no matter who you are playing against, they love to play it down. Are you going yeah. to be one of those fans? Absolutely not. No, I think I'm confident <laughs> we're going to win. Um, obviously, we're backed by the 49er Faithful UK. We're all going to be in Leeds together to watch it. Um, and we're going to win 34-17, and CMC is going to be the difference maker. He's the best offensive player in football, and he's going to be the one that's going to make the difference, and we're going to win. Dan, do you agree? Uh, I agree with one of the guys. Which one is it, though? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm I've, I've said it since the Cowboys went out, there's two teams that I wanted to win. One of them's already gone, which was the Texans. The next one is the Lions. I've we've all been big in the Lions all season, and for rightly so. And uh, I think for the Lions to win this game, and as much as, as Studs has some very good points about them, the much as they've got that running game, much as they've got the receivers, for the player to turn up and needs to turn up to win the game is going to be Jared Goff. If he turns up and he can perform, that the Lions have got a chance. If he doesn't turn up, it doesn't matter what the running backs and what the receivers do; they're not going to win the game. So for me, it's going to be. 
Jared Goff leading the Lions. I want to say, Stud, see if we get to the Super Bowl when it's the Lions against the Chiefs. Dibs on your sous shirt for uh, the crew night out. Yeah, that'd be a side you'd be able to sleep on it. I'm hearing with the number one seed, we've been amazing all season, and you're all going for the Lions. What's going on? Yeah, but, but hey, what, yeah, what's your prediction? I want to hear from you. Surely you speak Yeah, and you know, my 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 little boy wouldn't forgive me if I was to go for the, the Lions in this one. I actually think the difference maker in this game is going to be Dan Campbell, who's going to go for it in a fourth down, and they're going to lose out, and that's what's going to be the, the difference maker in the game. Um, That and McCaffrey, I just can't see by the guy. that He's just such a talent. I love watching him play, as long as it's not against the Seahawks. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, aye, terrific. So we're 2-2 two -two on that one then. Um, two for the, the Niners, two for the Lions, whatever is promising to be a, a tremendous match. I think it'll be a little bit cagey to start with, but I, like you say, I think there'll be plenty of points on the, the game um, on late on Sunday night then. Terrific, guys. Right, let's head over to the East Coast then, to Baltimore. Um, at studs, I think I have to come to you first for this one. Uh, your Chiefs. They're not home. There's no Arrowhead Invitational, as we've said. You must be feeling a wee bit antsy having to, to pack your bag and go on these travels, but Mahomes is still looking pretty good, even if he is wearing the white uniform. I think that that was the big kind of question that last week going into Buffalo was Mahomes' first ever road playoff game. But I, again, he quite rightly reminded the media that he played in a couple of Super Bowls, which were away playoff games. Um, <laughs> albeit one of them did they turn out too well, uh, but again, he just what 20, I think he was 22 minutes we had the ball for last week compared to Buffalo's 37, and mm -hmm. it just the explosive plays were there. We had wide receivers that could catch the ball that wasn't Rashi Rice, MBS pulled into absolutely unbelievable catches for us. So, Similar to what he done last year in the AFC Championship game when he was, I think it was our only wide receiver that we had left in that game against the Bengals and MVS stepped up big time. And he done it again this week, uh, last weekend there. So for me, don't, do I have any worries about getting into Baltimore? I'd be foolish to say no, because that defence has been absolute. well, last week against the Texans in particular looked absolutely unreal in that second half um, in particular. Yeah. Um, but again, it's very different coming up against a rookie quarterback to a two-time MVP, two-time Super Bowl winner, somebody that's been there and done it. So there's very different levels right now between Pat Mahomes and CJ Stroud. Um, so I think it's I think it's going to be a great game. Um, but it seems like Mahomes, Kelsey, and again the man that hates the ground, Pacheco, are all really picking up form at the right time. Yeah, Roadrunner certainly certainly um hitting form. It just seems like it kind of like in the way that the, the Eagles had been doing for most of the, the season, the Chiefs were doing just enough. They weren't looking flashy, they weren't looking good, people were doubting them. Um much in this way that um Travis Kelsey liked to say that the teams were writing them off uh, people were writing them off last season, which I don't think many people were, but this season certainly were. It's getting hot at the right time, and that's something that Andy Reid and the the Chiefs stand are certainly starting to do. Who is it in the the Chiefs team that, that's really going? To, Mahomes, we know, is just an absolute phenomenon. 
Um, he's not even 30 yet. I think he's 29. Is that right? 28, I think. 28. Jeez, oh, this guy is that's a talent that you're going to talk about for decades to come, hopefully on the crew. But the to be so dominant with a team who wasn't really that 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 much of a a Super Bowl contending team, really. Um, this is a special time for the Chiefs and. Quite rightly, Studs is absolutely lapping it up. You looking forward to the game then, Dan? Who do you see for the outside of Mahomes being the, the, the real targets for him then? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Studs mentioned uh, Pacheco there. He's been, we spoke a lot about him this season, he's angry running and what he does. But one player who mainly, I'd say, about the second half of the season, I mean, at the start of the season, we weren't sure what he was going to produce, but coming out of the second half of the season, Rashi Rice, what a player he's turned into. I mean, I think at the start of the season, we spoke about is it going to be Rashi Rice, is it going to be Sky Moore, who's going to be that? That player for, for Mahomes this year, and definitely in the second half of the season, Rashi Rice, especially in the playoffs, has stepped up big time. Um, that is, we, we've joked and we've wound studs up all season about the, the, the Chiefs wide receivers and how good they really are. And and, and we were, to an extent, I think we were right. We were right. They, they weren't elite, there wasn't, but Rashi Rice, for some reason, maybe since the crew started slagging them off, has, has took that big step forward to, to show that he is a WR1. He can be that player that's going to, to lead. Uh, the wide receiver room for the Chiefs and give Mahomes that legitimate number one target and what a time for him to step up and start playing like that so he's going to be key um, I know you said MVS pulled up a couple of good catches last week studs but would you bet on him doing the same thing again this week that's the problem is inconsistency with, with other players yeah I think if you're looking at him to make maybe two three plays a game I think you can rely on MVS to do that but when you're wanting him to maybe do five six seven things in a game, I think that's where you find MVS struggling. Like Rashi Rice can get the ball four or five yards, um, a four or five yard pass and take it 25, 30 yards. Yeah. Um, he really can turn on the Jets on that front. And again, Pacheco this year as well has really proven an effective way out the backfield as well for Mahomes. So it's those guys are, I think they've kind of took the pressure off MVS. And as much as Rashi Rice in the wildcard round against Miami was absolutely unbelievable. Um, it was quieter the last game and I think the, that probably helped MVS because I think the focus was on him from Buffalo so it opened up Kelsey and it opened up MVS more because Buffalo thought well Kelsey's been rotten all year we don't re- we can we probably leave him one and one rather than double teaming him and we saw how wide open we got for that second touchdown one-on-one. <laughs> it was almost like um, the Packers boy at uh, AT&T Stadium. Um, that oh, it, was, <laughs> it was just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm just like, I remember watching the play and I'm thinking, right, who's, is, is Travis Kelsey? Those have it's some third string tight end that they're not sure what he's going to do. It's Travis Kelsey and he's walking at the end zone with nobody within 20 yards of him. Yeah. And that's who I was just going to come to you and ask you about, um, Eric. What have you made of uh, Travis Kelsey this year? It's been a, a monumental year for him. Those little charm bracelets have really worked wonders for him off the field. Um, yeah. who, was it one of the, the lines that actually got him one as well? Was it maybe Laporta? I can't remember. Somebody, one of the opposition teams that had gotten one, yeah. but he got one for um, Taylor Swift and his life's never been the same. Yeah. Have you bought into all the, 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 the things that you think that he's too old now and this is we're really starting to see the regression yeah, think- or so had to be. Our, our lives have never been the same either, have we? We can't watch an NFL game now without seeing Taylor Swift on our screens, which is annoying. Um, but yeah, no, obviously, um, Travis Kelsey is 
the second best tight end in the league, isn't he? Um, and whether he's actually a tight end, you know, he's more like a glorified slot receiver because he doesn't actually block much, does he? No, I'm joking. That's um, high praise for Sam Laporta, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one tight end and it's number 85. <laughs> In all seriousness, um, they broke the record last week, didn't they? Uh, Mahomes and Kelsey for most uh, most uh, duo touchdowns. Yeah. So uh, he's just got he's just got some um, ability to not even run proper routes. He just runs into space, and Mahomes finds him, and they have that connection. So no matter how much teams seem to plan for Travis Kelsey, he always seems to be able to find. Um, a catch and also it's always when it when it matters the most right when they really need a third down or when they really need something then Travis Kelsey seems to pop up so I, I've seen like uh, Mahomes mic'd up and stuff and just says yeah Trav just go and run into space and it's just unbelievable how they do it so as much as I like to jest of course I'm biased and I think George Kittle is the best thing since sliced bread of course I do but you know anyone can recognize that Travis Kelsey is uh, is an incredible player and and so is Mahomes. So as much as we want to talk about MBS and we want to talk about Pacheco and Rasheed Rice have been brilliant, Kelsey is still the main threat. Um, and everybody should know that. But you saw what happened against. <laughs> you saw what happened when he just walked into the end zone. It's just incredible how he he does that often as well. It's not like a one off. Yeah, Dan. When we were growing up, um, Man United were the absolute juggernaut in the English Premiership, and. It was always the second half of the season, the latter part of the season, where they would absolutely just mow teams down. Um, yeah. Remember the famous implosion yeah. by Newcastle, Kevin, Kevin Keegan's, Keegan. of course. Yeah. But, but there were so many teams that they would just relentlessly hunt down in that final part of the season. And that's what took them to so many champion leagues, semi-finals, and winning the thing as well, as well as winning the Premiership. In the past five years, the past six years, sorry, the... Yeah, sorry, the past five years that the Chiefs have been the Man United, really, of the NFL. They are battle-worn. They nobody is needed at this time of year to get it done, to get it over the line and to do enough. Can you see them just getting there this, this weekend? It'll be a battle, it'll be bruising for them, but you've got the offensive players who I have no doubt will get rid of the butter from their hands. They will be able to catch ridiculous throws, uh, clutch moments, as Eric mentioned earlier on. I think this is going to be a, a big, big moment for this Chiefs team. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great analogy you've come up with, Keith. And I think, and thinking just as we just said, I was thinking it's like that. I remember Fergie's last season when they wrote them off. It was like, they're never going to win it. It's, it's his last season. They, they don't have the team. What did they do? They won it. So, I mean, that's I think that's potentially where you look at the Chiefs. This season they've been written off a few times, and but here we go. They're they're almost at the big dance. Do you know what I mean? It's can they do it one, maybe two more times to get there? There's going to be the big question. It's this is them now against the elite, and obviously the beat. And I have to say this, I meant to say, oh, but they shut the Bill Super Bowl window last week. <laughs> it's finally <laughs> shut. <laughs> the debate is over. The Bill's window is shut. Um, can they can they keep that level up against the Ravens and then potentially against the Niners or the, the Lions is going to be the big question. They've definitely got the ability to do it. They've definitely got the, the right coach to be able to do it. It's just can they keep going and can they keep getting these wins? It's going to be interesting to see. 
Studs, tell me about your your defense. Then, who's your your star players there? Who should be really be looking out for, and who should Lamar Jackson be starting to get nightmares about this week? Well, I think the obvious one is the the absolute lack of respect for the league shown towards Lajarius Sneed, which Dad's laughing at because he knew right away where I was going to go with that one. I've got his, I've got his name on my sheet, my notes. I've got Lajarius Sneed. I've got his stats because I knew he was going to come up. <laughs> so no, Lajaris needs just been unreal this year. Um, I've I think I was um, quite vocal on Twitter um, last weekend saying pay that man. You just need to look at the one number one receivers he shut down this year. Um, some of them in multiple occasions. Sorry, Stefan Diggs, put your toys back in your pram. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's Lajaris need, but then you're looking at the Ravens' offense and you're like, right, well. Do they have a number one wide receiver? They probably don't say. So probably doesn't need to track a wide receiver as much as what he would in other games. He's maybe going to go and Zay Flowers, um, for example, and maybe try and shut him down. Um, and then you've got the likes of OBJ and Rashad Bateman who are capable of coming up with the odd big play now and again. So from my perspective, if I was looking at one thing to be maybe nitpicky about last week, um when Swelch closed the Buffalo's window was probably the fact that um, our, our run, um, we were quite open to the running side of the game. Josh Allen was getting some big plays against us, James Cook, until the fourth quarter when we really shut them down. So for me, you're looking at Chris Jones and you're looking at the ex-49er and Charles Amenehu. We really need those guys to step up and then your other get. Those two will take up a lot of attention, so that should open up windows for the likes of Carlaftis to kind of get in off the edge. Maybe Sneed blitzing off the side, Nick Bolton. Again, I can't I can't even actually believe I forgot to mention Nick Bolton. We missed him for a portion of the season. Um, I'm actually sitting wearing 32 as well. That's the that's the last <laughs> um, but he is probably for such a young guy, he's he's the leader in there. He's the main communicator as a linebacker. So he's actually calling out the plays um, in there. And again, this is what he's setting season. He's just shown unbelievable maturity. And we really missed him when he went out of that defence as well. So I think, I do, I do for me think you're looking at Jones and Amenehu are going to be the key factors. Those are big guys. If they can get that run game stopped, force Lamar to throw it, our safeties for me and our cornerbacks, although they're younger, have proven they're good enough to stop any wide receiving core. I believe it's pronounced Swelchy. Swelchy, Swelchy. I think you're fine. Um, Eric, that one, that um, before, fine. I'm sure he'll enjoy that. <laughs> before we get to uh, predictions of the game, is there anyone else in the, the Chiefs yeah, team was, that maybe I think we're overlooking? Yeah, I was kind of thinking that the key to the game actually was Willie Gay and stopping Gus Edwards. Um, Willie Gay, I think, is quite an underrated player. I think he's a great linebacker. And I think this game, it's not just about stopping Gus Edwards, is it? It's about stopping Lamar as well. I think that's the key to the game. Can you stop Lamar? He's made it look so easy in so many games this year. And so Willie Gay, I, he might act you know, as a spy on Lamar for some of the plays. They might put somebody else on as a spy, but they definitely need to, right? Because... Lamar is just explosive. He's a he's a superstar. He's made a lot of it look easy. And the key will be if you can stop and contain Lamar to just throwing it from the pocket, then you have a much better chance than if you let him run right. So that would be the the key for me, Willie Gay. I think he's underrated. 
Willoughby has been excellent this year for us, to be fair as well. He's he uh, Eric Spagoni has been very underrated. Um, so I know very, very, very good player. And again, another player getting into a contract here. Eric, let's continue then with the uh, Lamar. We'll, we'll pivot now to the the Ravens. Um, yeah. it, many many teams could have picked him up last year. He was coming towards yeah. the end of his contract. It was wild that it got to what, the last few days before the the draft and and the contract yeah. was sealed. I liked how everything was was still quite open and, and courteous between the player who was representing himself and the Ravens, and it was as if they, they wanted to get something done, but they just couldn't be seen to be setting the standard in the, the market. Um, yeah. And it was after him, there was quite a few other players got paid, they were just waiting on him. But to think that people could have got... I, I can't think of anyone else that's, that's going to be the MVP this season. It's Lamar Jackson. He's been absolutely terrific. And he's done it with a, a, a great selection but maybe not real standout um, attacking threats in his receiving core. How have you made? What have you made of um, Lamar Jackson this season? Then, yeah, I think it all comes down to like what have you won, kind of thing, doesn't it? With Lamar Jackson, like have you won a have you won a title? Um, but this year, I think he stepped up another gear for me. Uh, obviously, he made us look very human all of a sudden when we played the Ravens. Made the game look very easy, um, which is scary i mean this is a nightmare na- matchup for me anyway because if we get through to the super bowl we will face mm-hmm. either the team that beat us in 2019 or the team that beat us in 2013 do you remember the hardball bowl so it's the last two super bowls that we went to we lost both to these two teams so yeah for me it's a nightmare but i think yeah back to lamar he's he, i think he stepped up another level i think he because of those negotiations etc i think he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder and he said right i'm going to show you this season um and the other player I would say that, you know, who is the, the biggest attention seeker in the NFL who loves the big stage, that's OBJ, right? So I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if OBJ pops up with something this weekend. Again, of course, he played with the, the Rams, was it two seasons ago, and, and got his yeah. ring there. Yeah, got busted knee as well, but um, he, he got the ring. For him to get back would be another wonderful story, and the NFL's full of fantastic stories like that. Um, Dan, what about you? Who and uh, let's go for the, the attack then first. For the who's really, really stood out to you? Who's really the big threats for the the Ravens this weekend? Yeah, I think something we just uh, this kind of correlates with what we're talking about with Lajarius Need and uh, studs made a good point. It's like who does Lajarius Need cover this week? The, the Ravens mm-hmm. do not have that standout elite receiver, so I actually think that could work in their favour because if the Chiefs aren't really sure about who picks up who, if the, the Ravens start moving about then they could pick, move, say, flowers onto you, another cornerback or whatever. So it could actually work in their favour. I mean, like you said, they've not had a standout this year. Zay Flowers has been their number one receiver, but he's coming out of the league very fresh, and I think that would be a lot of expectations from him. And he's probably, again, another player, as the season's got on, he's got better. He's adapted to the NFL, uh, and he's, mm-hmm. he's just under 900 yards. He's pulling up his stats here. He won the just under 900 yards this season. So for your first year in the league that's that's a good return for, for somebody like him so that i mean obviously another player that's kind of broke out we, we spoke about him last week actually where he had a good period in the middle of the season and went a bit quiet again he's broke out against justice hill he is what justice hill is going to turn up is going to be the question he's he's done a good job um and i know you guys talked about it in the review crew the gus bus is always going to get you those short yardage we need them as well so the thing about 
the, the Ravens, obviously Lamar is the number one. He's the number one rusher. He's the number one passer. What he can do is catch his own passes. Um, but, yeah, Lamar's obviously going to be the standout. I mean, but Zay Flowers is going to have to be on his game just as Hill and, and Gus Edwards are going to have to manage that workload themselves to try and break down that uh, Chiefs D-line. But um, just something on Lamar, I pulled up some stats. He's going to hit, more than likely, unless he has a disaster this weekend, uh, he's going to hit 1,000 yards for the third time in the season as a rushing quarterback. That's, that's ridiculous. Only, he's, he's actually going to be most of the other two players. So the other two players that have got rushing 1,000-yard rushing seasons as a quarterback. One is Michael Vick, who's had two, and other one's Justin Fields. I mean, so that's there's only three, and he's going to have three 1,000-yard rushing seasons. So that just shows you the, the, the double threat that he is. Um, but yeah, he's going to have the help. From all his team, he can't do it all himself. And he hasn't. It hasn't passed games. He has won the game himself. But in this game against the Chiefs, he, he can't win the game himself. He's going to need everybody on that offense uh, supporting him uh, to, to, to win this game. I liked how at the, the the game last weekend that there was people saying it was a game of two halves. Um, the first half of the game, it was just holding on to the ball a wee bit too long, and in, in the second half, it was that a little bit quicker a bit more zip in the game. Although he's doing the, the rushing and the with the ball, he doesn't seem to be putting himself in too much danger um, with it as well. It's all calculated. He's, he's clever with it as well, but also getting his team up that part because he's such a, an incredible athlete. Um, we talked about Justice Hill there, Gus Bus as well, but Dalvin Cook's come into the, the team too, so that's another threat that they've got rushing. Um, Studs, I'm going to talk to you there just about their... Their tight ends, um, Andrews, of course, there's a chance of maybe making it at this weekend's match. But Isaiah, Isaiah likely has um, really st- stood up this season and become a, a real threat for the Ravens. I think you've seen kind of glimpses of him last year as well when Andrews missed games. The fact that Isaiah likely could just drop into that team with absolutely no problems. And the one for me last week was there was a red zone pass for Lamar where they kind of threw it low. And you actually see likely on the TV saying to him, put it high next time, let me go up and get it. And the next time they were in the red zone, he puts it up and he absolutely mosses the guy over his head, just picks up, touchdown. Um, so, I mean, the, the kind of communication, the relationship those two guys have got is obviously blossoming. Um, we know about Lamar's relationship with Mark Andrews. He is his number one target. He really... He, well, he's his favourite target, to be fair, and you see that every single game the two of them play together. For me, I'd probably be quite happy if Andrews played because, one, I don't think he's going to be fully healthy, and two, it's probably going to dent Isaiah Likely a little bit um, from that perspective. So, it's can I catch 22 for the Ravens? If it was me, I'd probably sit Andrews and let him potentially try and get fully healthy for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. Isaiah Likely has proved he's more more than capable of standing in for them. rather than having the two of them split reps you've got the two of them in there maybe use Andrews as a decoy I think that's a nonsense just play as I likely and and go for there and see what happens Eric what about the Ravens defence they've been incredible all season um, who's really stood out for you then yeah I think they have they have players all over the all over the field, don't they? Roquan Smith at linebacker. They have Jadevian Clowney rushing. But I think they're secondary. I think Marcus Williams, Carl Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, they're the ones that 
Um, they had, was it four interceptions against us? <laughs> we didn't really cover ourselves in glory. I think obviously some of them were deflected and it was a bit of bad luck, etc. But uh, if you're having four interceptions in a game, that's obviously always going to win you a game. Um, so those would be the players. It'd be the secondary, the likes of Marlon Humphrey. You know, they've been playing really well all season and they've got a lot of interceptions, a lot of forced fumbles, that kind of thing. So that would be the, the thing that I'd be concerned about if I was the Chiefs is just as long as Mahomes is accurate, which he's shown that he can be, but this season, every now and then, you see the odd wayward throw. You know the Ravens are going to be there, all hawks. Absolutely. Kyle Hamilton's been frightening this year. He's been like a real Swiss Army knife for the Ravens. He's he's like the Taysom Hill defence, to be fair. He's popping he's up everywhere. Just, yeah. uh, he's popping up in blitz schemes. They're finding really unique ways to get him involved. Because um, I think he's possibly a slightly undersized safety. Um, which I think was one of the concerns about him um, when he came into the league. So they just seem to be finding a really unique way to use Kyle Hamilton in that defence, and he's absolutely thrived. Fantastic. Right, gentlemen, predictions time. Dan, I'll come to you first then. Chiefs travelling to Baltimore um, for the championship there in the AFC. Who are you going for? Um, you want a player as well? Yeah, go for it. Who's going to be the difference maker? Uh, I think it's going to be uh, something that I was going to mention it is uh, Justin Madubuki. 13 sacks this season. He, If he can get at that offensive line of the, the Chiefs and get to Mahomes, then the Chiefs are in trouble. Between him and Jadavian Clowney, they've got 22 and a half sacks between them this season. It's ridiculous. Um, so I think one of the two of them on that line, if they can get at Mahomes, I think. I, mean, I could obviously say Lamar or whatever. It could be trying to avoid picking the obvious choice here. Uh, so I'm going to go with Madubuki. I think I think the Ravens will get it. Uh, but it's going to be very tight. I think we could see, a, a, and Stu will love this. A Justin Tucker walk off, we'll go to win the game. <laughs> hey, Studs will come to you then, even as up. But how's your how's your Chiefs going to win this? Um, for me, it's, it is going to be about players step up. Um, Dan's obviously mentioned Rashi Rice. I was kind of avoiding trying to mention him. I was probably going to bring him up at this point because I think. He's going to be one that is going to need to step up again for us. He's done it against the Dolphins. Um, I think we're really going to need him on this side. And then, obviously, I mentioned the likes of our defence is going to have to be absolutely elite from uh, the first quarter to the last quarter. We can't have what we done with the Bills last week where we allowed them to run over the top of us for, for three quarters um, last week. So that's kind of... For me, Jones and Menehu, and even the likes of Willie Gay, if he is getting used as a spy... Those guys are going to be pivotal for us. So, and then obviously I'm going to go for a Chiefs one, right? I'm not. I'm going to go with the absolute homer pick, regardless of how close I think it will be. Um, so, and then I'll go. I'll go opposite to Dan. Just there, please do. We'll go with a Butker walk off field goal. He's done it before <laughs> in championship games, as Stu very well knows. <laughs> go for it, Eric. Who are you taking in this one? Yeah, Dan. Dan really stole my thunder. When he said Justin, I was, I was thinking, oh, I was going to say that. I was actually going to say Justin Tucker, the best kicker in football. I think he might be the difference maker. So I think it's going to be tight. Mahomes is clutch. He's been there twice. He's done it. Andy Reid's been there. He's done it. Harbaugh's obviously been there and won it as well, but not with Lamar. So I just think it, it could be close, this one. Uh, but I do think the Ravens will win. I think the Ravens have been the best team over the last couple of months. Um, and it might come down to a Justin Tucker uh, being the difference maker. Maybe not a walk-off, but I think he'll have um, 
his usual field goals and and, and extra points. And he, he's just the best kicker in football, so he might be the difference maker. There we go. And I'm going to actually make it 3-1 to the Ravens in this occasion. Big Chief, <laughs> I apologise, bud. Um, Ag- Aguilar, Aguilar, Big Nelson Aguilar, I think he's going to be the, the, the one that's going to get the... The touchdown that's going to set the the game just too far ahead for the the the, the Chiefs there. Um, it's, it's going to be a great game. I think what you said there studs the the Bills kind of showed the frailty of the Chiefs with the running at them, and it, it was surprising that they didn't just keep um, Allen running at them um, for the majority of the game, especially towards the end. I don't see the Ravens letting up. I think they'll be relentless, and if yeah, Lamar Jackson has to run over the toppies to get his team to that Super Bowl. I think he will. And again, what a story it will be if um, the man who was almost a free agent that nobody seemed to want last year uh, is now MVP and taking his team to the, the Super Bowl. I'm really looking forward to the, the game. This is the early one um, for us. Uh, yeah, the early one, yeah. Yeah, yeah so looking forward right. to that one on Saturday, uh, Sunday night. I think that's that's the thing though, wasn't it? Even so much that the Bills weren't running on us in the fourth quarter, is that we stopped allowing them to. So it's about what Spags yeah. can be doing with these guys during the week to get that in play from the first quarter and steady the fourth quarter. Because um, I think Dalvin Cook, and I, I think I, I read this actually this week. No, Dalvin Cook, sorry. James Cook in the Bills had a betting line for 75, over, 75 or over yards. In the, in the first three quarters, they'd hit that. Um, I think it was at 76, and they get minus four rushing yards on six attempts in the fourth quarter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> brutal. <laughs> so, it wasn't the one they tried, it's just that we stiffened up. So, we really need, that's that's where we need to get it, get it done this week. Fantastic. Gentlemen, this has been absolutely wonderful. I've really, really enjoyed discussing these games. Great knowledge from all of you there. Um Maybe be monumental matchups on Sunday evening for us into the early hours of Monday morning. Dan, thank you very much for joining us, mate. Pleasure as always, Keith. I'm looking forward to it next week again. Absolutely. A pleasure talking to you. Then, studs, best of luck to the your team. I hope you are you have a, a, a an enjoyable evening um, without <laughs> without wishing you too much luck. I really don't have a, a dog in this fight. Maybe a bit of a big cat, but... Um, I don't really have a team this one that I'm, I'm properly looking for. Um, thanks very much, studs. No, always a pleasure, man. Hopefully I'm still smiling ne- next week. I'll even do my Jason Kelsey if I'm on the pod next week if we get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, <they're> even win. <laughs> Listen, it's easier if you guys get through because then I don't have to worry about booking somebody to come on the, the pod. Uh, it makes it much easier. Eric, I would love you to come back on the pod sometime. It's been an absolute pleasure talking 49ers with you, my friend. Yeah, it's been an honour to to come on. Thanks so much, chaps, for for having me. And uh, hopefully, I can come back on on, and do a victory dance at some stage. That'd be really nice. (laughs) Fantastic. Make sure you spread the the word of the Gridiron Crew to the 49ers Faithful UK and your lead squad party. I think you're gonna Um, you're gonna win some new fans uh, once this goes out. I'll share it in the group. It's a very active group, and say we have a strong Scottish contingent. So. Looking Brilliant. forward to those guys hopefully coming on as well and guesting and taking part and making this show. Very much so. Yeah. Really I, tell, I tell everybody, I'm trying to open up the, the crew. We're trying to get a representative um, for each of the 32 teams and we're, we're growing. We are growing and we've had some big news this this evening as well. So I'm going to tell the, the guys a, a bit about that once we go off here. 
Gentlemen, um, another big week ahead um, in the NFL. We're getting towards the end. I'm getting a wee bit sad about this, but my goodness, there's some massive matchups on the way. Look forward to seeing them. Look forward to talking about them next week uh, with the review crew, which will be our 100th episode that we've recorded. That's not bad going for just over a a year of podding. Um, So thank you very much, crew members, for getting us through to getting here. And special guests like yourself, Eric, it's been an absolute joy getting here. So stay tuned. Next uh, Monday, we'll have Brian and the the review crew on to go over the bones of um, some fantastic matchups, no doubt. Thanks very much for listening. We'll speak to you next time.